0: Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. combination of two words and you know response and then ability Uh, response being a reaction to something and then ability is obviously uh, you know using what God has blessed us with to take care of that response that we need to take care of whatever that uh, you know crisis or, or job might be you know God has equipped us to do something we need to react and do it um but, you know, I got to thinking more and more about Isaiah and Isaiah answering his call and his abilities that God gave him to react and to respond to what was going on in his time, kind of where this whole message came from. Uh, you know, God needs willing bodies uh, to take care of his missions. He chooses to use us, uh, which he doesn't need us. He chooses to use us. We should be really... Uh, uh, appreciative of that. We should be honored that God would choose to use us. You look all through the Bible uh, with all the different prophets that God used, from Moses down to Elijah, Elisha, uh, you know, those, uh, Noah, um, you know, and Isaiah, you know, God used ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And we need to keep that going. But now, uh, Isaiah basically served under the reigns of Uzziah, uh, Jotham, Uzziah, and Hezekiah. These were the kings of Judah. Now this time that uh, Isaiah was getting used by God uh, was after the time of Solomon, uh, which is where the kingdom split. Uh, the northern tribes didn't want to recognize Rehoboam, which was Solomon's son, as king. So they split off and let him be king of a small portion and then chose another king for the larger portion. Uh, this was God's will because God chose to do this because he said that David would have a seed on the throne from then on out, and that kept a seed of David's on the throne. So he didn't rip the throne completely from David because of David, not following. So uh, we need to be, uh, you know, thankful when God uh, chooses to use us even though we're disobedient like that. And we know that this world is full of disobedient people. But God's chosen people are not behaving during this time, and he's very unhappy. So he needs to send somebody uh, to basically to pass on that he's displeased with them and that he's not happy with them. Um, You know, I got to thinking, the United States is only 247 years old for babies. I mean, you think, you know, when when you start reading in the Bible about the nation, you know, going away from God uh, for a time, you think it happens overnight the way you read it in the Bible, but it doesn't. It takes a long, slow fade of them making the wrong choices where they end up away from God, you know, in in a bad way. Well, you look at the United States and from where we started to where we're at now, we're only 247 years in, you know, And we're starting to get away from God just kind of like the nation of Israel is. We're actually mirroring the nation of Israel, which is not a good thing when it comes to this point. Uh, it also blew my mind. you realize that in, what, 1913 when Longview Baptist started, the United States was only, what, 137 years old? And, like I said, we haven't been around that long. But uh, I say that just to kind of take a little rabbit. I'm sorry about that. But we started out as a Christian nation, founded on Christian principles. But we're, as I said, we're getting farther and farther away from those. We're choosing to get away from God's moral truths. And we want to get to where those itching ears are wanting people to just tell us what we want to hear. You know, that the things that we're doing wrong are actually right and they're not. And uh, we need to stand up, and if we see someone doing something wrong, we need to fill that gap and stand up and tell them that they're not doing right. And to stand on God's side, not on the world's side. Uh, Let me uh, go ahead and read Isaiah chapter 6 for you. If you'll stand with me. Uh, This is only 13 verses long. (coughs) And it says, uh, and this is Isaiah's commission. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, which were we each had six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they fly. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of his voice, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Almighty God. Uh, there, then, one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See this, as uh, touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. He said, Go and tell these people, Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of these people a callous, and make their ears dull, close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, For how long, Lord, did he answer, till the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants, till the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken, and though a tent remains in the land. Father, we just thank you for your word, Father, for what it just uh, shares with us, uh, exactly what we need to hear, and Lord, just help us to continue to have the ears to hear the words that you speak, Father, because we don't want to be close-minded or close-hearted, Lord, we need to know exactly what you're telling us, and we need to respond to those. Father, we just thank you for using us, thank you for choosing to love us, Amen. you may be seated. The <coughs> first Point, I guess I want you to get from this is comes from verse one. And it says, In the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And see God for who he really is, and realize this is who we work for. Okay, that needs to give us comfort. Knowing that we serve the almighty God. And uh, this is the one that, you know, uh, he showed Isaiah in a vision uh, all of these things that have to do with royalty. You know, with the, the temple, uh, the throne, uh, the, the uh, train of his robe, all these have to do with royalty. And God basically is the king of kings that we need to realize that if he gives us... Uh, something that we need to be doing, if we need to answer that call, we're answering the call for the God of the universe, the one that created all that we see, so we don't need to be scared of the consequences, we need to be knowing that he is going to equip us to do the task he has put in front of us, and that should give us comfort, you know, like I said, that he is the king of kings and the lord of lords, the alpha and the omega and the beginning and the end, and you know, it kind of breaks my heart, why does God keep having to remind us of this? You know, it's like, you know, every time we turn around, God is having to reveal himself for exactly who we know him to be. You know, and it's not his fault, it's our fault. You know, if we get farther and farther away from God, what does sin do? It blinds us. It dulls us. dulls our senses. And so we need to make sure that we don't let sin separate us from God. And we need to know that if there is any unrepentant sin, we know this nation has plenty of unrepentant sin that we need to repent of. Now, the the leaders in the nation is not going to do that. It's going to be upon us, uh, God's chosen people, to get on our knees and to repent of these sins and to pray for God to forgive us. But we need to know that uh, he is the almighty God and that uh, if he gives us a task, we need to answer that. So the constant rebellion that comes from, you know, uh, sin uh, needs to be faced with repentance. Now, this is the problem, like I said, with the America. And uh, we are in desperate need of repentance right now. And we are in uh, sinners, obviously, in need of a Savior. Let's look at verses 2 through 5. It says, Above him, were seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their face, two wings they covered their feet, two they covered their, or they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Um, so the seraphim, does we really know much about what a seraphim is? I kind of was doing some studying on that. Seraphim means to burn with fire or fiery one. And fire is the symbol of purity, obviously. Um, Now, these, you know, angels were angelic creatures, I should say, they weren't angels, Uh, were part of this celestial order, the celestial being. And here they are praising God uh, in this vision that Isaiah was having. Uh, What exactly, um, I guess, is their purpose? Do you really know what their purpose is other than just praising God and calling out His holiness? Um, You know, I mean, you could really talk uh, about that in in, in a lot of different ways. They could be part of his wrath. Uh, These were used to carry out God's wrath, actually. And uh, so we know that God sent the serpents to the camp of Israel, and then God told Moses to make an image of a fiery serpent and put it on a pole uh, that whoever looked at it would be saved so they can be a source of healing. Uh, So here you have God sitting on a throne in his glory, And as if that's not intimidating enough, you have all these angelical kings flying around uh, talking to you and and crying out, holy, holy, holy. Uh, And that's when Isaiah is freaking out saying, okay, I'm dead. I'm a dead man. And I think all of us would feel that way if we were in that uh, moment at the time. Um, But it says, you know, God reveals Isaiah's uh, unworthiness. Uh, but also that the people that he lives with are the very people he is sending to reveal their unworthiness. And he needs him to basically call them out. So the second point I was going to talk about is God makes a way. We just have to obey. And like I said, we see Isaiah freaking out in this situation, which I think all of us could relate. But what does the seraphim do? They take a coal from the altar and come and touch Isaiah's lips and cleanse him. And that is very significant right there because if you think about it, what what does the burning on the altar signify? Cleansing. Cleansing. The fire is cleansing whether it's our sin or whatever it has to be at the time, it's cleansing. What was God sending Isaiah to do? He was sending him to speak to the people. So oh, he cleansed his mouth. He cleansed the words that would be coming out of his mouth so that he would be holy in that aspect. So that's kind of very prevalent to me uh, that God took care. He made the way. You know, God doesn't, um, he, you know, he, he wants to call. He wants to equip the call is what I'm trying to get at. Someone around. Um, but God will make a way. So if we don't hold anything back, if we will answer that call, God will... Paved the way, like I said a hundred times, I am not worthy to be standing up here. And I don't know why God keeps putting me up here, but I'm, I'm willing to get up here. Uh, I hate that for y'all. I'm sorry that you have to suffer through me. <laughs> but uh, I feel like every time I get up here, somebody comes up to me afterwards and says they got something out of it. And I'm like, I'm humbled. You know, I just, like I said, I feel like I'm horrible at this, but God keeps using me and I'll keep doing it. Uh, So, like I said, I'm sorry about you, love. Um, But anyway, so when God shows us he's in control, we realize what God, uh, what a mighty God we serve. And uh, he'll do the work inside of us and cleanse us. He takes the judgment away. And why wouldn't uh, you be excited to let God use you? I mean, that's the thing that always gets me and humbles me is... uh, My son-in-law got the opportunity with a co-worker. I won't mention the names, but uh, one of his co-workers was having a bad, I guess, week, year, whatever. And I mean, he was in a bad way. And uh, my son-in-law said that this guy reached out to him to come and talk to him because he said that, you know, he saw God in him and saw that, you know, he could tell he was a Christian. and And how humbling that was to say something like that to him. And then he, he actually tracked him down, you know, through their work computers and found where he was because he was worried about this guy doing something stupid. You know? and so he went and actually got to talk to him and really uh, just implored uh, him how God was using him to impact this guy's life. I said, you know, there's nothing like that. I mean, to be able to lead somebody to Christ, you know, there's, there's no feeling. And, and just to know that God used you to save somebody from eternal death and fire you know in and, and hell and uh, you know that's there's nothing like that and I just I encourage you guys that uh, if you feel like God's calling you to do something no matter how smart, you know whether it's to go talk to a neighbor, whether it's to go you know talk to a co-worker like he did uh, you know or or maybe you know you need to go talk to somebody. You know listen to what God's calling you listen to what the Holy Spirit is. Telling you inside and answer that call because somebody's life might depend on it. You know, he was actually worried, and the guy told him that he did have suicidal thoughts, and if he hadn't have went and talked to him, who knows what? So I mean, things could be uh, very uh, detrimental, you know, to somebody. Um, and, and like I said, God chooses to use us but if we won't answer that call, then nobody might. Answer. Um. You know, you look at um, Isaiah and what he was going through here, and God telling him, you know, that he's going to go tell his people, and he says, for how long? And he basically says, until there's nothing left. Paraphrasing. You know, well, how encouraging is that to Isaiah, you know, knowing that he's willing to go do this, and he's going to go do this for God, but it's to no avail. But he has to do what God told him to do. You know, just like, uh, you know, um, Jonah, you know, he ran from what God wanted him to do. Well, they ended up repenting. Nineveh repented. And they were saved, you know. So we might think it's hopeless for what God's sending us to do. But look at what he can do if he chooses to do so. So don't put limitations on God, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Don't put God in a box. Let God be the God of the universe, God that created all this. If he wants to save someone, he can save them. Don't say that he can't. Uh, You know, you look at Noah. You know, Noah answered that call. Uh, Like we know up until that point, how how much it had rained up until that point. None. It hadn't rained at all. He's building a boat off in the middle of nowhere saying repent or God's going to flood and everybody's laughing at him. Look what happened, you know. He answered the call. And God equipped him and God saved him for that, you know. Uh, You look at Abraham and Abraham and all that he answered and went. And, you know, you think about, you know, uh, he was trying to go save or or when Lot and him was saving Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, he was saying, well, what if this 50 answered? He was, okay, 50. What if 25? And all the way down to 5, he couldn't find them. But he did answer that call. He at least tried. That's what God wants us to do is to try. Don't put limitations on God. Third thing is that God always rewards faithfulness. So God knows our limits, and I think God will throw us a bone as a reward if we keep going to show us a little of the big picture and to show us that what we are doing is worthwhile. You know, like we were joking before the service, sometimes I think, you know, that God won't put more on us than we can bear. Times I can debate that. <clears throat> but, you know, I'm still here. I'm still going. Even though I might go wore out and just feel like I don't, you know, can't go another day, uh, I get up the next morning and do it all over again. And I know a lot of you in this room can relate. All I've had to get through some days just to get through the next heaven. But God will carry us there. And he will sometimes throw us a bone, a reward, you know, just to show us that, hey, you know, what we're doing is worthwhile. Not for nothing. So don't don't put limitations on yourself. And don't put limitations on God. It says we're humans, after all, we're flawed. But God gives Isaiah that little nugget in verse 13. You know, it says that even though I'm going to basically wipe them all out, there's still going to be a tent that will remain. And, you know, like I told you guys with with wit and all he went through at the hospital and all the nurses, all the doctors that we talked to, you know, with serious you know, life death kind of uh, procedures that they were doing, you know, we asked them. I one day I said, "How do you do it? How do you show up every day, seeing all of this bad stuff, bad things that happen?" They they were going. They said, "We show up because of the ones that did." You know, you think about all the ones that don't make it, all the ones that pass away or end up in a bad way. There's that many that do make it, that do save, do get to see go on to live a normal life. That right there makes sense. We've got to hang on to the good things that we see, not necessarily the bad things. You know, we have to trust and obey that God uh, is God, that, you know, if he chooses to take a little life, it's for a reason. He chooses to save that life. It's for a reason. And we need to know that God is going to use that for his good and for his glory. Um, You know, I got to study, and I'm going to wrap this up. Um, The whole thing kind of hit me a a little bit about, you know, this is salvation. You know, first when God reveals himself, because no one comes to the Father unless they are drawn by the Spirit, we see God for who he really is, and that is a holy and righteous God that is pure. You know, when, when we go, if you remember back to your salvation time, your day, uh, I remember it like it was yesterday at Mount Olive Methodist. It took me three weeks to finally go forward. Verse 2, Satan lied to me, and I, I was, he, he won. He kept telling me, you're not worthy, you're not good enough. Surely God's not going to save you. And I was a 13-year-old boy. I mean, what, how bad was I? You know really but you know i hadn't really had time to do anything that bad uh but uh you know he kept telling me you're not worth it you're not worthy and i just i couldn't you know everybody's looking at you they're laughing and i just i I left that third sunday i i knew that if i left there and didn't go forward i was gonna felt like i had the weight of the world on me and i just felt like i was the most worthless dirtiest just uh you know, unworthy uh, individual on the planet. And then, you know, when I went forward and I hit my knees and I cried out to God, you know, I, I saw him for who he was, and that is, that's Jesus, that's the perfect Lamb of God took my place, he said, you're worth it to me, you mean that much to me, so he knelt down and picked me up and saved me. And, you know, that's what God is. He is the holy and righteous one. that we're not worthy to be in his presence only unless he allows us through Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Secondly, you know, we get scared and we realize that we are sinners and don't, we're not worthy to be in his presence. But, you know, he will o- let overcome our fears if we will let him. And he will make us holy and righteous through what he has done and not through what he has done. You know, Jesus' blood makes us clean like the coal made Isaiah's mouth clean. You know, that sacrifice that he made on the cross was good enough to cleanse us and make us worthy to stand in the presence of holy and righteous God in that temple like Isaiah did. Because that was a vision that Isaiah saw. If that had been in real life, he wasn't cleansed at that time. But he wouldn't have made it. But Jesus makes us worthy. In God's presence, if we will trust Him, do what Isaiah did this morning. Elijah, I mean, did this morning. Um, so, God pretty much uses the same thing. He does the same things all throughout the Bible, and it's not complicated. Uh, we just need to stop and know who we work for, and we need to trust Him and obey Him and be faithful. Okay. Let's close with Word of Prayer. Father, I just thank you, just uh, once again, for just telling us through your Word. Father, and showing us that you use imperfect people to do your perfect will. And if we will just trust you and just hold on to the fact that we do serve the one and only God, that we can't fail, Lord. You won't let us fail. And Father, we know that everything we do will have a purpose if we would just stay in, according to your plan keep our eyes upon you, Father. Thank you for that. Thank you for what He did for us on the cross, Father, and just most of all, just thank You for giving us that way back to what happened at the Garden, that broken fellowship that Adam and Eve basically ruined. That You had wanted to create, You will reestablish that for us through Jesus Christ, and we know that uh, we can trust in You and all You do. I'm asking You, Amen. All right, guys, thank you. Thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John. If you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website at longviewbaptistchurch.org and click our contact link. Thank you for joining us.